Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming. I'm your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined in the studio once again with Letitia Thomas. How are we this morning, Tish? I like how you dropped the lovely this time. You went, ah, not today. Uh, look, I feel like you look uncomfortable when I say it every time. You like wince. So it's I was like, weird, I'm just going to leave this one out. It's <laughs> a weird descriptor for me. I'm like, lovely, maybe yeah, not. No, knowing you full well, you're like, don't say that again. And I've done it nearly every People week do since. People it because it's alliteration and it works. That's why I have mostly um, been doing it. How have you been? <laughs> I, I've been – it's been a weird week. Um, yeah, you've had a bit of a bit of a whirlwind of a week. But, like, also fun, but also, like, you'd think, given the topic this week, yeah, I'd I, be absolutely stoked. <laughs> and well, a, you are. There's a part of me that is, but it, it is what it feels like, and this is telling of me. It's like when I was in grade – nine we were doing an assignment on harry potter where we had to like basically rewrite something from a character's perspective that wasn't harry and then like perform a bit and i like went in strong uh and i was uh we did like a hermione mcgonagall type situation about all the stuff that happened based on the book after like they go down and they get the philosopher's stone anyway whatever i was doing like one of my at the time like great mates at school that's a long story we'll get into that later and uh she wasn't quite like up to speed and we got like an a minus and i was like Got it. Because that was my – this is my chance. All I knew in this world at, like, that age mostly was Harry Potter because I'd spent a long time dedicating my life to it. Obsession. And then, oh, I taught the class. My teacher used my notes because she's like, this is – How do you know so much about Harry Potter? You're like, I'm on Pottermore. Uh, I wasn't at that age. Oh, really? I don't think it existed yet. Uh, I don't know when it popped in. I think it was just after. Anyway, (laughs) but, like, I was gutted because I was like, holy shit. Like, uh, I was like, anyway, cut that. I was like, if this is all I know and I can't even, like – get a solid A. Yeah, but it wasn't you. What am I doing in this world? It was the person who couldn't bounce off you. Clearly yeah. they just weren't up to scratch when it came to acting ability. And I just like, that one gutted me. I was like, what am I doing in this world? We're doing the scene again, guys. <laughs> From the top. <laughs> From um, the top. Yeah, and that one stuck with me. Cause, and this is how that feels. Is it because there's so much pressure because everyone expects you to have that level of knowledge and expertise because you do definitely tell everyone how much you are obsessed and love Russian Doll slash Natasha Leone? I've built this up. You have. And I don't – I'm not encyclopedic in no. my – and that's what scares me. Look, I'm just going to say no pressure at all for this episode. We're going to have a conversation about Russian Doll. Where it leads is – anybody's guess we've got notes and whatnot but look we're just going to inform the people that are listening why we should watch russian doll all together yes and uh no one come for me on twitter i know what you guys are like we're sort of mutuals and you let's not do that yeah yep all right well before we get into the main topic as we do in every episode at the start of the episode we go through the things we've been currently watching for the week so the first one for me is one that you ended up watching last Last night night. like the last last thing i watched um, we ended up watching The Witch from 2015. Or The Witch with two Vs. The Witch. Uh, <laughs> this is what I was saying to, to Ben all week. Is, uh, we watched The Witch. <laughs> yeah, I have been guilty of that before. Yeah. yeah very uh, like Dracula. The, yeah, uh, it's 
not quite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not, they used to write it with two Vs. Well, that's why it's called the Vich. It's it's um it's a New England folklore from the 1600s, and that's how they used to write Ws. So that is why Stop it's it. uh it's like that on the title of the the cover. Yeah, I was in this like sort of. I thought this was more of a horror going into it. It's um it is a horror, but it's. Those sense of no jump scares. It's horrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I more thought horrific. this was gonna scare me, but it didn't. But I was in it immediately because it reminded me, or the same vibe of like Salem witch trials in the Crucible yeah. type, which I got really into in school. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm in. I, I enjoyed it. It it was different than what I expected when I put it on. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be like one of those kind of like more horror esque, gruesome tales uh, from you know the old era. Uh, it stars Anna Taylor Joy. Uh, Ralph Innison, Kate Dickey, Harvey Scrimshaw, and it is written and directed by Robert Edgars. So if you aren't familiar with Robert Edgars' work, he's also done uh, The Lighthouse mm-hmm. and also the newer one, The Northman. Yeah. So very much that like genre film, timepiece, era film. Uh, he really like it's, – it's a real niche kind of movie that he creates. Oh, yeah. Like this is very much when they talk about creating stuff and they say create – the film that you want to see like this guy's doing that yeah like maybe no one else to the point that he did research on this one half the dialogue is is from the way they used to speak uh-huh. back then it's from like like actual accounts folklore accounts from that time period is the way they used like to talk to each other court and proceedings and stuff exactly because there was a lot of yeah. witch trials yeah. uh to go over basically the synopsis of the uh movie itself it's in the 1630s new england William and Catherine lead a devout Christian life with five children, homesteading on the edge of an impassable wilderness, exiled from their settlement when William defies the local church. When their newborn son vanishes and crops mysteriously fail, the family turns on one another. I think they nailed the hysteria part of this film. Oh, yeah. So well. And the, f- and the use of Christianity mm-hmm. to build on that fear. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it does have like an element of supernatural involved. It involves witches and, and you know, the supernatural in the wilderness. Uh-huh. It's kind of like that juxtaposition between, you know, civilization versus wilderness, structured life versus free will. And that's basically how it plays out through the central character of Anna Taylor-Joy. Like she's essentially caught in the middle because she's grown up on this like really rigid Christianity lifestyle but she also has her own thoughts, her own feelings, and she wants to have more freedoms that come with being in the world. And obviously she's growing up as well. She's only about like 15, 16, I think. She's roughly that age. Yeah. I it's not know. really said, it's but like she's she about that younger. age group. You can't really tell. She's old enough to start marrying she's the old, at that yeah, point. She's the oldest one in the family. Um, and it plays out that way. It's like the, yeah, the juxtaposition between, I guess, the witches that are in the forest and the freedoms that come with that kind of quote-unquote satanic lifestyle uh-huh. versus the rigidity of Christianity. And that plays out through the two hours yeah. and between the, the characters and stuff. It's really well done. These things always, like, freak me out just a little bit in the fact that, like, not like I'm scared. Like, I love them. Mm. But then I always think, oh, yep. Like, I, for many reasons, <laughs> I would have been I would have been a witch back then. <laughs> like, I mean, not necessarily a witch, but, like, they would have been like, yeah, she's a witch. Let's string her up. Let's... Drown yeah. her, let's burn her at stake, like all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, given. Not hard that's to do. All, Religion was used as a fear, mm-hmm. fear tool back then. It's like, don't do anything wrong. These, these things will happen uh-huh. to you. The witches will get also you. Also, you're a so, woman, so you're automatically well, yeah, a witch. Exactly right. So 
Yeah. 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 And it's just crazy how they all turn on each other. The little kids are spooky. But I then you like realize the at some point, do you have those moments in that we go, oh, hang on, they're just kids. They're just kids. They're just kids being kids. But then the goat starts talking to them. So then they yeah. start freaking out. You don't see the goat talk to them, but they say, hey, the goat's talking to me. Uh-huh. But goats were always like symbolic of the devil. Yeah, exactly. And well, it turns out one is the one that they own. Yeah. So right what do they the call end. him? Black. Black Philip, Black Philip, Black Philip. I think, and that's <laughs> the scene where like um, Black Philip goes a bit mental and starts killing. Like he kills the dad, and kills stuff, the dad. just by ramming him. Yeah, all that brought back uh, a little trauma I'd forgotten mm. when I had a pet sheep that did that. It didn't yeah, grow horns, but that was like they uh, headbutt. I saw they it. And I was like, get rid of the goats because yeah. anything no. like sheep goat. I'm like, get rid of it because I know what they're if, they're, if they're not happy, they're they're gonna they're, they will kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, that's what would happen if um my sheep grew horns, but it didn't. Yeah. Um, because it was. You know, it's a sheep. Nearly eaten by my dog. That's what happens. So I haven't even went crazy. Having them in civilization. Uh, notes on the film is I looked this up a little bit after watching it, and I I read up the fact that Robert Edgars he tried to make it as close as possible to what it would have looked like during mm-hmm. that time in the 1630s. He only used the natural lighting, the film techniques, so it doesn't have that kind of like film gloss over it, like you would like a cinematic film like Avengers Endgame or anything yeah. like that. It's it's as raw as it could possibly look. There's no like colour toning on it as well. It's very like bland grading, yeah. looking because that's what it would have been. Um, yeah, it's got a really eerie soundtrack throughout it as well. He uses certain like zoom shots as well on the wilderness that kind of kind of has that like eerie vibe, like you know something's in there. Mm-hmm. You know there's there's a force to be reckoned with yeah. on the other side of the, the forest line. It's just the vibe that he builds throughout the movie that you kind of go, yeah, this is – it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's not too much, but, you like, there's an uncomfortable sense in this movie. Uh-huh. And yeah. I think I can – you can know why this is so well regarded, like, critically. Because mm. it does – he set out to achieve something and he nailed that. Yeah. And not a lot of people can pull it off, especially as a first fully – Full length feature. Yeah, this is his first debut film. He did put very out well. Yeah, 2015. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a couple eight years ago now. I heard about this a while ago, and I was just like, you know, put it on the back burner. Yeah, it was one of those ones for me too. And I then I like, saw yeah. you'd seen it, so I was like, well, I may as well watch it this well, week and we can and talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah. I ju- I was flicking through, and I I think I saved it a while back in my Amazon list, and I was like, you know what? There's no better time than now. And I've been getting better with horrors and that because I thought it was more of a horror. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll chuck it on. And I was like, oh, it's not horror at all, really. Mm-hmm. It's just a vibe. It's mm-hmm. a sense of, you know, dread and fear. Uh, yeah, I was happy I saw it. It was good. So I watched the recently dropped Nyad on Netflix. It just popped up and I was like, Jodie Foster, why not? Um, yep. So I chucked it on because I didn't really want to watch something too too heavy or anything. I think it was like last Sunday or whatever. Um, so it's got Annette Bening and Jodie Foster and it's directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai. I can't pronounce her name. Um, Basahili? Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's written by Dana Nyad, who is a, like a real life person, um, and Julia Cox. And it tells the remarkable true story of athlete Diana Nyad, who at the age of 60, with the help of her best friend and coach, played by Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. um, commits to achieving her lifelong dream, an 110-mile open ocean swim from Cuba to Florida. That's insane. Like That's so much distance. It's, it's a really good film. Like a lot of it covers – that journey yeah and sometimes that's not like entertaining to watch um but this was like just watching it and then realizing this is not far out there like someone actually decided to do this this. yeah yeah so basically she'd done it or she tried to do it in like a 20s yeah couldn't make it because no one had made it 
And then at 60, had like a midlife crisis, as you do. Trying it again. And she decided to do it, got a best friend involved. And Brett was like, no, I'm not training you. No. Um, But, you know, you do what you do. And it's just a really cool story as well, especially like what deciding to do that and like an impossible thing does to the people around you as, as well, who you've asked to go on the journey. So there was like a lot of sort of drama between her and um, like Jodie Foster's character. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Like if you're curious, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it pop up. I've seen it definitely pop up before. And I was like, oh, I remember that happening mm-hmm. uh, when that actually happened in real life. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I don't think I re- no, I think it was a while ago now. So. Yeah, but it was cool. Yeah. And like just a nuts thing to do. Oh, I'm insane. like. Who thinks about doing that? I went like, to try and gonna... swim this thing when I was out in like Greece after this thing. And yeah. it was like hard Doggy and paddle. people crazy. Um. <laughs> And I, like, I didn't make it the whole way because I got bullied going back. They're like, you need to go back. I'm like, I'm fine. Like everyone catastrophized. And yeah, I was like, I'm like, okay. I'm all right. And then they're like, go back. And I was like, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> but like that was like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not an athlete. No. So that's what you realize very You quickly. definitely like, realize how much goes into it when you try to do even the like a, a minute amount <laughs> that someone else can do. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm really and out of shape here. She didn't stop swimming for like 70 something hours. Mm. Do you know how tired your in the open ocean? She did not stop. Body would be yeah, like she like hallucinates and yeah. like all sorts of stuff. It's wild not the fact to that watch. like I know they have a boat like near them yeah. the whole time. It's not just like see ya and I hope you get no. to Florida. Like there's a boat following. Yeah, the and they're like time. you need to stop and have some water. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Like, they do that, but but like also you're in this vast ocean. Uh huh. Like you don't get to see the end goal. You no. know, it's not like it's on the horizon or anything. You're like, oh, I need to get to there. It's just endless until eventually you get there. It's I couldn't imagine doing anything for like 70 hours without stopping. I couldn't drive a boat for that long, like, to get there. No thanks. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, a huge feat. It's a huge so feat. So if probably you're curious, worth checking out, yeah. It's worth watching. But, yeah, that was that. Next thing I watched, it was, uh, it was a fun one for me. I've been wanting to watch this for a little while. I kind of just – I saw it and went, ah, oh, what's this one about? And I kind of knew – it's kind of like a Home Alone film. It's Becky from 2020. So this one stars Lulu Wilson, Kevin James, Joel McHale, Robert Malliott, Amanda Bruegel. It is a good film. It's basically a home invasion. Um, it's a teenager's weekend at a lake house with her father, and it takes a turn for the worse when a group of convicts, neo-Nazis, wreak havoc on their lives. So Kevin James, as you know, is Paul Blart Mall Cop, mm-hmm. plays really against character type here and he plays like the head of a neo-Nazi oh. white supremacist gang and they've just broken out of prison Hectic. and they're trying to get something that's in this lake house so they can, you know, escape and I think it's, it's look, it's a key. They need the key to unlock something. It's probably like treasure. You don't actually find out. Of course. It's a MacGuffin uh-huh. essentially. And yeah, there's a home invasion movie and it's pretty brutal and Lulu Wilson plays this like, 14 year old girl in it who she's in the treehouse during the home invasion. So she's outside when they're all like coming in. The rest of the family's tied up and mm-hmm. they, he, like Kevin James, slowly sends one of the four out. Yeah. And then it just turns into this like really super gory movie. Like she, she sets traps and stuff for him. It's oh, like imagine okay. home alone, but like she kills them very effectively. And, uh, I'm kind of intrigued in a fun way. It kind of opens with her, like, the mother's passed away. So Joel McHale, her dad, is started seeing someone else. And the reason why they're out at the lake house is, like, basically to tell her they're getting married to the new partner. 
So she's she's basically gone through that really teen angst stage of her life. I've she's, been there. She's re- yeah. really angry at everything, everyone, especially her dad. Uh huh. So it kind of showcases like she's just she's got this simmering anger underneath. But the then what happens time. when those people are threatened? Truly. Those people are threatened, and she's allowed to unleash it. It's really good. I had a lot of fun with it. There's some really gory moments that you're like, oh god, I don't know how I feel comfortable with that, but like in a fun way. Yeah, it's maybe not like, I it's not like that sore. As a It's a bit of fun. Like it's uh, it's it's brutal. It's very brutal. Like it's an R18 film. Um, yeah, and apparently it's um, just spawned a sequel that came out this year. It's called Wrath of Becky, <laughs> and I'm so keen to watch that probably this week. That's cool. I kind of want to watch those. It's a lot of fun. It's on. Amazon. Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yes. So the other one I then went and watched was Haunting in Venice. So you'd watch this the week before mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going to watch it. And I did. Mm-hmm. I had so much fun. Yeah. You liked so it? So much fun. You enjoyed it? Yeah. Also yeah. a little bit spooky because I'd just been to Venice. Right. And you're like, I've been there. And you know, know how like place. it yeah. floods and all that kind yeah. of stuff. We went to the, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, we're all like the, like essentially Kings and stuff used to be. Yeah. Not Kings. Can't remember. The palaces area, yeah, yeah. the Doge—that's the word. Yeah, um, where they used to like be, and then there's like a secret tour you can do where they basically mm. take you to where all the prisoners. Oh, okay. Used to be, yeah, and like the escape from something. This guy, whatever, I can't remember. I did so much on this trip. It's like it's a lot. literally, it's, it's blur. compacted. Yeah, um, and they took us to this underground, like, jail cell mm-hmm. where they would leave people before they put them in other rooms. Uh, but that would often flood. Yeah. And the so rats just drown, and, and they the just, rats would eat them. But no, we wouldn't drown because it didn't go high enough to drown, just right. enough to be like it's uncomfortable, deeply uncomfortable. Um, and that was spooky in there. I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this. And then yeah, they took us to like other places, like yeah. other rooms and stuff. And and then so you're watching this that's it's, set basically the same place. It's got like, a good vibe. This yeah. is the vibes are spot on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just the mystery in this one was cool. It was good. I did not see. Well, actually, I did see who the who done it. I kind of there was the, there was one or two clues. Yeah. I was like. Maybe, but I've got enough, not enough evidence to That's kind of pick it. that person. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was good. It, was, it kept me thinking at least. And even that like uh, red herring that wasn't a red herring in that there's that bit sort of maybe a third, like yeah. two thirds in yep. where it's like, oh, you've betrayed me, but you're not the one responsible. Yeah. Oh, well, I questioned that, that person fun. a lot because uh-huh. there was definitely like little clues left along the way that it could be them. Like mm-hmm. there's enough for them to go motive. Mm-hmm. But, but, it wasn't- then, but then when it was revealed like, I'm doing something else. You're not going to like that, but it's not me. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Smart. I like yeah, those that sometimes because it, yeah. what it does is it takes a very simple concept of a film and then leaves that level of like drama mm. and personal stuff that you feel sorry for both of the people involved because yep. there's a lot going on in their own like Lives. underlying stories. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like they're in a, in a conflicts. like conflicts yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. No, it was good. Tina Fey did fantastic. As love that. Tina Fey. Yeah, I love Tina Fey. She's going to come back a lot of films lately. I know. I need to films. read her book, Bossy Pants, and I should probably watch 30 Rock because I've not. Oh, please. I've got I'm it on DVD. It. I'm going to let you borrow it. Okay. Um, I love it. It's a lot of fun. I might watch it when we do this break between the yeah. podcasts because well, I to you then. can got, like yeah. binge watch shows yeah. without having nothing else to talk about. Yeah. It's one of those things. There's a lot of seasons. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, next thing I watched. So, I ended up watching this, got a copy of it in the just from somewhere um the equalizer three from 2023 so starring denzel washington dakota fanning so a man on fire reunion right there uh eugenio mastrandretta david denman and gaia scolero it's um it's like the end of the trilogy 
of the Equalizer films. I have seen one and two. This time Denzel Washington's character, Robert McCall, is kind of semi-retired. I mean, he was in Italy for a job, like doing a particular job because he's essentially an ex-hitman, ex- Right, I've never actually seen CIA, you know, one of those guys who's mm-hmm. a fixer. He's got all these skills, essentially. So he's doing a job over in Italy and he when he's there, he's, he's doing it for a different reason. You find out towards the end of the film what that is, but, like, he's there for a different reason. He stumbles across this vineyard who's, like, basically smuggling all these drugs through Italy and he uncovers, like, this whole thing. He ends up getting shot while he's trying to escape the vineyard and someone saves him in this small Italian town. Like, it's a really remote town. It's really beautifully shot because it's, like, oh, picturesque, this, like, little small, like, cottage town. They're gorgeous. And the doctor there, like, turns him back to health Mm -hmm. and he assimilates himself into the community. Like, he goes to the local cafe a lot, meets a lot of the people, goes to the fish shop a lot and meets them, like, the local stores and that. And he, you know, builds up a life there and he can definitely start to see himself retiring there. He's like, like, yeah, I like this this place. And then his world is shattered, yeah. Basically, yes. So there is the Italian mafia. Of course. Um... Not like, you know, like the Godfather type mafia, no. but like a gang essentially comes uh-huh. into town and they're racketeering. They're like, okay, we need protection money from you guys. And they start like beating up some of the people in the town. And there's a whole underlying story that they're involved with the drug money. So there is that connection. Isn't it, You need to know that, I guess, at some point towards the end. But he starts looking out for the town. He steps up and he's like, you're going to stop doing this. And he's in this cafe at one point and they're like, beating up, like, the police officer who's literally just having, like, dinner with his family in this restaurant while he's sitting over in the corner. And Denzel Washington just staring at the mob boss and the mob boss is, like, feeling uncomfortable about it and he comes over and he's like, you need to stop looking in people's business. And he's like, you're making it really hard for me not to. And then, like, I think the mob boss tries to pull out a gun or something or, like, tries to hit him. Uh But, like, because he's got all these skills, he just grabs his hand and, like, twists it around and he's like, I've got this certain nerve. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I've got a the wishy finger grip. Yeah, pump, yeah, yeah. Panda. Basically that. that. Wild, he's like, on a scale of one to ten, and this guy is screaming while he's got his hand in a certain way. He's like, that's about a three. And he's like, pushes it again. He's like, that's about a four. You don't want me to get to a five. You're gonna shit yourself if you get to a five. And these people don't want to see you shit yourself because <laughs> he's got this char- like, you know, he's very charismatic as well. And so he's like, your your friends are gonna leave. You're gonna walk out. And you're not going to bother these people again. And, um, yeah, they leave. And then I think they tried and do something else again. But then he goes all, like, he goes all hitman after that. And, the like, the last part of the movie is basically him uh, just being, like, you know, hitman, taking him out one by one in the shadows. It's pretty well done. And I saw this, like, illusion when I was reading, like, a few little bits and pieces or, like, someone else's review on this. They're like, this is essentially a slasher, but if – like the world of a slasher was actually through the eyes of the killer is the protagonist. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, cause yeah, it is true. Like imagine if you were one of the, like the, the mob guys who's just chilling there and this guy in the shadows with like these, all these like knives and stuff and just kills you. And it's, it's pretty crazy. You're it's like, a, what the hell man? This is just my day job. Yeah. Like, and yeah, he's really good at what he does. And yeah, I, it was a good conclusion to the trilogy because yeah, obviously he stays where he is, lives in Italy Bob's your uncle, end of the Equalizer series. So it's worth checking out if you enjoyed the first two. 
there's a lot less action than the first two, but the action in the first two was very guns blazing. Uh-huh. Shoot people around corners and stuff. The first one had a nail gun kind of scene in a warehouse. That was pretty cool. But yeah, this one's a little bit more methodical on the kills and there's a lot more story in this one. It's a lot more told than actually shown. And it's just picturesque. It's worth checking out just to see the final of the three Yeah, to films. conclude it nicely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my next one, I watched Wreck-It Ralph from 2012. So this is starring John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, Jane Lynch, Jack McBrayer, Mindy Kaling, a bunch of others, but they're yep. the, like the main. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Rich Moore and it's written by Rich Moore and Phil Johnson and Jim Reardon. And this is the story of a video game villain, Ralph, Um who wants to be a hero and sets out to fulfill his dream, but his quest brings havoc to a whole arcade where he lives. So basically it's like they're all arcade characters and they can sort of jump into different games and he goes through to get yeah. this medal so that he can feel like a hero. Yeah. Um, He's sick but, of being seen as the villain. Yeah. And by doing that, he sort of wrecks other people's lives and, yeah. you know, ruins their dreams. And it's sort of, you know, this story where they both have to kind of, all these characters have to realize you know, how to compromise and that. It's honestly like I'd watched part of it probably in 2012. And I never finished it. Yeah, I, I've seen this quite a number of years ago. And then I went, you know what? I just kept popping up like randomly and I was like, yeah, maybe check this it is out. a sign from whatever. I was yeah. watching it. And I was like, okay, like not really into it for the first like 20 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, I was like, no, I'm here for this. This is sweet, but not in a like so sweet, it's sickly way. It's just like, it is. oh, this I know is what just you mean. about just- like people that just want to be appreciated for who yeah. they are. And like, we're all like, weirdos or whatever and got our like little problems and whatever but like we can just choose to do the right thing and yeah be appreciated for it and if you like this is a kids film you could remember and i'm like this it did it well it did it well where it's just like it's like it's for kids but also like if you're an adult watching it like there's enough nostalgia references in uh the background that you'll go i know that character like there's a bunch of like video game villains Mm -hmm. and characters and stuff in the background that you go oh yep i know that person i know that reference so you'll get something out of it as well and it's just a nice life-affirming film where it's just like yeah. yeah i enjoyed it i haven't seen the se- sequel yet i kind of want to watch the sequel breaks, now. breaks the internet Rick, break, yeah uh, ralph breaks the internet yeah i'll check that out soon too because i've seen the first one i was like i just haven't got to the second one no i like i love the characters by the end yeah i was like i'm here for all of them yeah, yeah that's good my next one i same way i got to see this film in another means than the cinemas i saw dumb money from 2023 this is starring Paul Dano, Shailene Woodley, America Ferreira, Pete Davidson, Seth Rogen, Anthony Ramos, Nick Offerman, and Sebastian Stan. So it's got a pretty strong cast there. Um, it is written by Lauren Shuka Bloom and Rebecca Angelo, but it is based on a book originally written by Ben Mesrich. So it is, I don't know if you know what the premise would be about it's basically about the rise and fall of the stock around the GameStop uh-huh. I era saw which a trailer is 2020 for this. 2021 and Paul Dano plays a character Keith Gill who is he was essentially like a YouTube kind of personality he used to post on Reddit on Wall Street bets a lot in the lead up to the whole GameStop fiasco he was the one who kind of was the realize that what was going to happen with the stock, like he he reckons that Wall Street had it wrong, so all these hedge funders were betting against uh, GameStop. He put his entire life savings into the GameStop stock, and he was telling people on Reddit on Wall Street bets because he he was a pretty prominent figure on yeah. that, on that on that site, and he used to post his balance sheet at the end of every day 
just showing, cool, I've bought this. This is what I'm doing. And he kind of built a movement out of that. So everyone kind of got on board and was following what he was doing because he was like, yeah, the hedge funds, people, are, they're shorting the stock. If we buy up, our money's going to go up, skyrocket, and theirs is going to plummet, which yeah. is basically what happened over the course of like two, three weeks. It was crazy. I remember being on the internet back then. He put like something like $53,000 into it. And at one point at its peak, I think he was worth $11 million. It didn't at all come crashing down though? It came down because there's a whole fiasco around like the actual app that people were using to buy stock. The app was called Robinhood. Uh-huh. So the CEO of Robinhood is played by Sebastian Stan. So the Wall Street people were not happy with how this was going. And there's this whole thing with like Robinhood and yeah, there was a bit of an issue about this like the second week or the third week that it was happening when it was still rising. Robinhood stopped people buying GameStop stock at some point, so which obviously would then balance out it. And also there was a whole thing with like you could sell but you couldn't buy. So they were like manipulating the market uh-huh. on the app. So then there was a whole fiasco. He got, I think he got sued as well. Seth Rogen plays this like hedge fund person who I think he likes – I think he sold like 600,000 stock of GameStop he was like worth like 16 billion. It has like who they all are at the start. And yeah. says like net worth this when they appear on the screen for the first time. Nick Offerman plays another like hedge fund billionaire beautifully because Nick, Nick Offerman. But yeah, it was like something like, um, yeah, he was worth 16 billion, Seth Rogen's character. And then halfway through the film, his wife, uh, this is when it's all going to shit for him. Yeah. His wife goes, how much did we lose today? And he goes, a billion dollars. And she goes, how much did we lose yesterday? another billion dollars and it's like his stuff's plummeting and it's like shows the downfall of him because he's like they're like setting up like interviews with him like with the news and that and he's like about to get ready in front of like a computer screen like he's gotten makeup and all done already he's sitting there and sitting there just before they go live the, the interviewer's like asking him certain questions being like oh i hear you're bankrupt and stuff and he's like no 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 why would you think that and then they're like all right we're about to go on five and he's like I can't do this. And he like panics and closes the computer and runs off. Like you can show like he's like really panicking and they pull down his character, Keith. He's just like a, he's like a, your typical like internet nerd, right? Uh-huh. Like he wears like cat shirts and like a bandana, like your typical like YouTube mm-hmm. celebrity style person. And he had like memes, like it was a big movement. Big memes came out of it. A big quote that he used to keep saying was like, I like the stock. I like the stock was like a catchphrase for it. And when this all got said and done, because he got sued as well, because he was apparently giving insider trading because of the information, but he wasn't. All he was doing was posting his balance sheet at the end of trading, which means you're not giving insider information. It was a whole thing. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is this a film that anyone can watch if you don't understand this? Because I know enough conversationally about like uh, Bit and all that kind of stuff to talk to people, but I don't really, I couldn't do it myself. It does its best to explain what you need to know on who it affects in the film. Okay. So you don't need to go in with a accounting degree to watch this. Shannon's just a little humble brag here. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, definitely helped. But um, and I kind of did follow it when it was happening at the same time in twenty twenty one. You yeah you with the people involved because it shows like obviously about a handful of personalities that it's involving. It's explained what's happening to them with what's happening. Okay. So you get enough to go, okay, that's affecting this character in this way. I don't need to have, yeah, you know, an expertise on it. Pete Davidson plays his brother and Pete Davidson plays Pete Davidson so well. I think he's an underrated actor. 
I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but I think he's actually quite funny. That guy is wild. He's a magnetic force that no one can understand. No one can reckon with. He's had a bit of a tough life though. You need to watch The King of Staten Island. I can't because your copy's still with Katie. I know. Which she mentioned two days it's ago. On, it's on no, the other things. Um, is that his life story? It's basically a semi-autobiographical. Uh-huh. It's very close to what his real life is. He lost his dad during the 9-11 attacks. He was a firefighter. Uh-huh. So that trauma sits with him a uh-huh. lot. Like he does bring it up a fair bit. And it's kind of affected his rest of his life. So that's a, that's what plays out I'm in King of Staten Island. I'm kind of keen to watch it then. I didn't really know what King of Staten Island it's, was about. Except that you said that, it's great. So. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, he plays the brother and he's always calling like Paul Dano's character like a massive nerd and stuff. And he's like, you're worth $11 million and you're not going to sell. I'm riding my push bike to do Uber Eats orders and stuff. And he's like that juxtaposition mm-hmm. between characters. It was good. I don't know if I would rush out to the cinemas to see it. It's not a cinematic film. It's good, but you could probably just wait till it's maybe on free to air, like on your streaming services. Free to air. What year is this? I don't don't even have it plugged. I don't have it plugged in. (laughs) So if it's on streaming or you get a copy like on DVD when it eventually comes out, definitely check it out that way. You don't really need to see it in cinemas. It's not like that. It's not an epic or anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, dumb money. Dumb money. I didn't watch anything else this week. I got one so, more. Go on. I watched The Killer, which just got added to Netflix this week, like two days ago. Um, this one is uh, starring Michael Fassbender, Tilda Sweden, nope, Swinton, Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton, uh, Charles Parnell, Alice Howard, Kerry O'Malley, and Sophie Charlotte. So this one is directed by David Fincher. The big Fincher film, so your, your Fight Clubs and Gone Girls and whatnot. Same Panic direct, Rooms. Panic Rooms. And I, this one's based on a book, so it's not like it's he's wrote it or anything. Yeah. I had issues with this film. I don't think it's as amazing as probably what a lot of film bros are going to say it is. I think it struggled from a lot of issues. Pacing was a big one. It sets up like this assassin to be this really meticulous Killer, very methodical, sets himself up to only do things by the rules. Um, and that's like the first half hour. He's like waiting just to, you know, kill someone basically. Um, and then like something happens. Look, he gets it wrong. He doesn't kill the person he's supposed to kill. And then it becomes this like revenge film because something happens to one of the people he loves in his life. Oh, and so then it's it, like taking a serial is it? Is he a serial killer? He's an assassin. Oh, okay. Like, he's, he's paid to kill. Like, he's a oh. he's an assassin. Gun for hire. Yeah. Gun for hire. Right. So, yeah, something happens to someone in his family, and so he goes down the track of finding out who's responsible for trying to hurt like the person who's Vigilante justice. Yeah, type. but, like, it's really just not really well done. Like, it plays out – it's basically 90% of the dialogue is narration. Mm. Nine, like literally 90% of it is all just Michael Fassbender just talking over the top of what the scene's happening. Um, there's a few other characters that he obviously in, involves with here and there when it comes across the other people he's got to see. And he always t- like tells himself like how metho- methodical he is and procedural. He's not very good at his job, <laughs> actually, as a killer. You you find out how how uh, ironic it is how he like when he's doing the narration of like how perfect it needs to be don't have empathy you know have patience and then like he just does the complete opposite of that for most of the film oh i just don't know if that was the point i didn't it it didn't feel obvious enough for me to go that is the point so uh, something was missed something was missing i didn't love it i think it was okay 
I think it's worth maybe checking out just to see if it, someone else has a different view to me of what I thought of the film. But I, uh, yeah, didn't love it. A lot of people are saying maybe it's even like a kind of a, a t- like a, a spin on David Finch's career as well. Like, you know, like everyone thinks because he did Fight Club, everything's like perfect, methodical. And then when he's tried to do other things, it doesn't really play out how people thought. And I'm like, it's a stretch. I don't think that's what he's going for when he's based, on, based on a Probably book. Probably not. So I don't think so. I think it's just a film bro just trying to justify the fact that it wasn't very good i don't know well, that's the thing though with these things and that's, they're probably wrong because the mm. film bros that love fight club missed the point of fight club oh, fight club it's yeah. a whole thing um yeah. anyways so i don't know check it out I, I would love to hear if someone else has a different opinion of the killer or have i have a different interpretation i would honestly love that so yeah write in text me write in on instagram anything i'd love to hear it send a pigeon anyway pigeon Carry mail. Last thing, last thing before we get into trivia, I have been watching Loki season two. I still have the last episode to go. Season two is so good. This is definitely stand out in terms of the MCU's TV shows. Acting's fantastic. I love all the characters. Like obviously, obviously Tom Hiddleston's really fantastic, like really charismatic as Loki. Owen Wilson is great as like the like partnered up person. It's got Kihu Kwan in it in this season, in season two as well. And just the mystery of this season, fantastic. So basically in the first season, if you've watched it or you haven't watched it, the events of Loki season one basically causes the multiverse. It causes all the branches of the main timeline to kind of scatter. And that's when you meet Kang for the first time. Oh, okay. Right at the end of the season. It's called He Who Remains. And he's like the good version of Kang. He's like, you kill me, it's going to cause chaos and the bad ones, versions of me are going to turn up. Uh-huh. And that's what's been happening the rest of the phases in the movies. Obviously, Kang's been turning up here and there, the bad ones. So season one's just chaos and then comes season two, they're trying to fix that chaos and it's just awesome. There's time travel, they go to different eras, they get to see different like versions of themselves in like the different timelines yeah, it's awesome. I love it. This is this is exactly what the TV show should have been, like with the other ones as well. I obviously haven't seen the last episode yet, but I'll watch that probably tonight. Finish it off. It's probably been one of the best things since Endgame has come out. That's my little two cents worth. All right. On, on I still have not seen it, but, yeah, you know. Trivia? Time for trivia. I'm excited. I wrote yours last night. I got them all ready. Okay. Well, I, got I did yours. not put the one in about the Truman Show. Thank you. Because I figured it wouldn't be fair. Yeah, because you know that I have not yet seen it. No. You going first? Am I going first? I think I'll go first this week because oh. you did last week. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. In Mean Girls, what does Gretchen claim her father invented? Um, the inventor of toaster strudels. Toaster strudels. Yes. I panicked. I panicked hard for a second. <laughs> I saw your <laughs> eyes and you're like... What do you mean? Oh, yes, that scene. Like I knew it, but I like <laughs> Toaster Strudel, the inventor of the Toaster Strudel. I think you'd like to hear about this. Fantastic. Oh. Oh, so good. We'll get to the news a bit later about that. All right. Um, what was Netflix's first TV original? Orange is the New Black. No, you were really confident. It's House of Cards. Okay. Um, House of Cards <laughs> existed, but no one really knew what to do with it. And then it got, it got an Emmy out. and they were okay. like, oh, what the hell? Like, how is an internet? TV show. That's right. It was too. I had the first DVD. Emmy. I had the first and, season. And then like, then they figured it out and then Orange took off. That's why. 
I forgot all about houses yeah. on Netflix because I, I like, just kept buying. It was before it was like the start question. of streaming, and I bought the DVD. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I just didn't even consider it. Damn it! Okay, sorry. Sleep, sleeper question. I like it. That's okay. Your second one. Which Las Vegas hotel is the main target of Danny Ocean and his team in Ocean's Eleven? Couldn't tell you. Have I've you seen, seen that movie. You seen? I uh, but don't remember. It is an older one. It's like two thousand what three? Or I something? didn't love it as much as everyone loves it. I only like the first one. I Two and seen three are that. awful. I think like like I love a heist film, but yeah. I didn't love the characters too much. You don't like Brad Pitt eating in every scene? Yeah. He does. He eats in Julie every Roberts scene. Julia Roberts is in it for like two seconds. I was like underrated. Don't watch the second one then. She plays herself. I'm like- un- She plays Julia Roberts. Awful. But wasn't she not Julia Roberts in the first one? No, she's playing the uh, ex, ex-partner yeah. of Danny Ocean. But then she she's plays- not playing D- Julia Roberts. No, but in, the, in second the second one, one, she plays Julia Roberts the actress of Julia Roberts instead of well, her no, character? she's. It's a whole thing where <laughs> she's still playing the same character, but they're trying to trick someone to think she's actually playing the actress of Julia Roberts. Oh no! Awful. Okay. <laughs> Awful. That's right. terrible. Your and next question. An- no, we haven't answered it yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's the Bellagio. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's that. It's okay. Yeah, we'll move on. Your next question. All right, what group consists of Blossom, Buttercup, and Bubbles? It's the Powerpuff Girls. It is the Powerpuff Girls. It is girls. the Powerpuff Girls. I've watched a couple episodes. This was big I'm, in my childhood. Yeah, I remember it was pretty big. It was on some afternoons. I watched a couple episodes. They were fine. Also, weirdly. Was, um, Sugar, Spice, and Everything Butter, Nice, Buttercup, wasn't it? who is the green yeah. one. Yes. Uh, I used to weirdly, when I was going to sleep and I'd close my eyes, I'd see her in the corner of my bedroom. I don't know did, what that was did about. Did you have a poster? No. <laughs> okay. Just like behind the door, I just used to see it. That's and I, weird. It was unnerving. That's got to mean something. Someone write in. You've got to go to a sleep therapist for that. <laughs> Someone tell me what that one was. Tell me why I saw Buttercup. For years. I don't <laughs> know why. so strange. All right, your last question. Uh-huh. So you've got one out of the two. Let's see how you finish up with this third question okay. here. How many X's does Scott Pilgrim fight in Scott Pilgrim versus the world? This may be wrong, but this is seven evil X's? Seven evil yep. X's. Seven evil X girlfriends? No, no seven evil X's. X's. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I want to say seven, but I was like, that could be so out. No, like, seven. So you got it right. Correct, seven. I could name some of them, but let's not. Well, the TV show, the reason why I put this one in is because the TV show goes live as of November 17th. Is it this on, soon? Yep, oh, on Netflix. I'm not ready. I know, I'm so excited. It's so good. Okay, so I got like some. Uh, your last one. What is the name of Jesse's horse in Toy Story 2? Mm, you've thrown me. I know. It is Bullseye? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at me go. I haven't seen them in quite a while. I think, like I saw four when it came out. Were they even that? was like three years ago now. It was a while ago now. One, two, and three. Years. Mm-hmm. Years. It's, oh, okay. I'm surprised I got that one right. How many did I get? I think two? Two out of three. You got two as well. Look at us. Look at us go. We're just passing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all that matters at uni, right? Please get degrees. My lecturer told me that. I mean, I got a degree. Look how it got me. All (laughs) righty. Do we want to move on to the news? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, Do you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, as of Thursday, US time, the SAG AFTRA strike has ended. After 118 days, the SAG AFTRA officially reached a tentative agreement on the three year contract. New deal. This deal will protect actors from AI, see minimums increase by 7%, include a streaming participation bonus, and include pension and healthcare contributions. 
This is so good to hear. I'm so happy to hear it's finally over and they've got some pretty good agreements in place. Finally, we can actually get started on creating new content. I know, and you've just realised how starved they've all been from oh, being able to talk about right? their jobs and like doing their jobs because the minute it ended... The flooding much- of Instagram yeah. and everything, yeah. It's just wild. It just shows how much they weren't allowed to talk about anything. No. Yeah, like the the obviously I follow a couple of actors and actresses on Instagram, and, and the the, the <laughs> moment it stopped, I just had flooding yeah. of like they're like this this happened during all of it, like yeah. this came out. I'm so proud of this person for doing this. We're working on this. I'm like, whoa, calm down. Like I get it, but yeah, yeah. Um, very excited to see. It's so them. good. It's gonna yeah, a lot of jobs are gonna be able to yeah resume even yeah. over here. It'll yeah, good. Fan, that's right because it was affected by linking mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. strikes and stuff. Great. It's great to hear. It, it's, I'm glad they got some type of deal Me and too. protected actors from AI. That's the biggest one I, I care about. Yeah, because that, be that's a whole thing. That's the thing that if they didn't get that in place now, that'd be that'd ruin the honestly the industry. I mean, it already has to a degree. It has to a degree. And it's going to just, yeah. Well, I guess not now, but. Thank God. Thank God. But we're back in place. We've got the writers back. we got the actors back. We're, we're back, back in baby. business, baby. <laughs> Showbiz, let's get to it. Ah, shaka. Alrighty. You need to watch all that jazz. I think you'd I like know, it. I know. Um, anyway, um, Bob Iger of Disney has announced they're moving into their next phase. While the last few years they've been working on, quote unquote, fixing the studio, they're now looking to create less film and TV and instead work on continuing their brand. Um, they also want to develop new IP, assumedly continuing their franchises. Um, and while that sounds like really good, because it does, it sounds great on paper, I'm just thinking about like, because they've revealed that they're on track to achieve roughly $7.5 billion in cost reductions. And I hate to think how many people got laid off, how much work didn't see the light of day, just all of that kind of stuff. Because you don't save $7.5 billion. No, without doing some cuts. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next couple of years with that. I'm I, hoping it means some decent content. I think they oh, just I need didn't to like slow the word content, but you know. Down. Yeah, I don't like the word content for when it's film and TV. I don't like the fact that they're spewing out these things all the time, I think the fact that they need to slow it down, what projects they do have and want to work on, they just they just make sure it's quality. Yeah. That's all. And then the brand will, you know, lift itself back up. People used to go to Disney because they knew what they were getting. Exactly. And it was always a hit. Yeah. Even the ones that weren't hits, like, yeah, we loved them right. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, they're just throwing out so much stuff. They don't even promote the work that they're doing. Yeah, it's, they're, just, it's a mess at the moment. They don't, it, it they don't care, really, essentially. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this like I don't know brings a little bit of more care into the work that they're yeah, creating, yeah. and so that the creators, um, you know, feel appreciated more than just it's lining the pockets of the people at the top. Yeah, exactly so. right, and that's what it has been doing. All right, and last bit of the news is a teaser trailer for Mean Girls, the musical movie, has been released. Fans will see a few familiar faces in Tina Fey and Tim Meadows reprising their roles as Miss Norbury and Principal Duval. While it's exciting that they're glar- while it's exciting, there is a glaring issue with the trailer. Not once does it, it seem that there is an upcoming film that is a musical at all. So it'll be interesting to see when it finally goes to air. Yeah, because I knew that they were making a movie musical because. I- yeah, I like it. Um, and I'd I known knew, I knew it was a musical. a lot of their Broadway yeah. like songs and stuff. So like I was very much aware of it. And I was excited for this teaser trailer because they've got um mm. like Renee Rapp who was in the Broadway musical as yeah. Regina, like playing her thing. So I was like, okay, it's gonna be like top it's, tier. It's only a teaser. It's only a teaser. The full trailer will probably have 
I hope so. Because if not, false false advertising. But it's just like so many people that I've seen it online are like, oh, like this is just like a Mean Girls ripoff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's not. It's the musical. It's a musical, so it's supposed to be completely new, but they've sort of Made shot it themselves the same. in the foot yeah. by not being mm-hmm. like, we are not trying to remake the 2000s like cult classic teen movie. I think also having Tina Fey and Tim Meadows might be detrimental to them. Mm. People are going to associate the original Mean Girls movie mm-hmm. um, with it as well. So maybe casting them at the same time. Don't know. Don't It'll know. be interesting which yeah. way that goes. I'm excited to see like a- I think it comes out in January. Yeah, some of yeah. the like music from it and see how it looks as a musical because I think yeah. that'll land. But yeah. the trailer cutting all those bits out that are like the bit that sells it really it didn't land. Yeah, Te- teasers aren't the full trailer anyway, so it'll be inter- they'll definitely have another trailer probably come Christmas time. They probably need to to salvage. Yeah, yeah, the mess they've just created. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Last bit of news. We didn't put this in, but uh, as of, I think, two days ago as well, Ghostbusters, there's a new trailer for the sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think it's called Frozen Planet or something like that. Not quite. That's a BBC, but it's close. <laughs> I know. There's no something. polar bears. Check it out. It looks really good. It's obviously got uh, all the usuals back from the last one. So have a look. It's online now. Alrighty. So this week, finally, we are talking about Russian Doll, because Shannon finished it. I finally it. finished it. I watched season two this week. Yay. Yes. Um, so this one was originally created for Netflix in 2019 um, with Natasha Leone, Leslie Headland, and Amy Poehler at the helm. Um, Leslie Headland was the showrunner of season one. Natasha Leone took over for season two. And it's starring Natasha Leone, Charlie Bennett. Uh, sorry. Natasha Leone, Charlie Bennett, Greta Lee, Rebecca Henderson, Elizabeth Ashley, Dasha Polanco, and Inani Murphy for season two. Um, so this one came about a long, long, long time ago. Yeah. Originally. So this was a failed pilot for NBC around 2014 was when I first heard about it. Yeah. Because there was an interview on a carpet for like Orange is New Black where one of the one of the actresses was like, oh, yeah. And also, by the way, we're doing Natasha Leone's doing sitcom. this sitcom with Amy Poehler and I'm proud of her and blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, oh, there's a sitcom. Sweet. So yeah. I was like waiting for this. Never came. Way, way back. Never came to light. Couldn't find anything on it. Now you can find. Yeah, you've you've I gone into it. the depths of the internet and you found the unreleased pilot episode of Old Soul. On Vimeo. Which is the original sitcom version of what Russian Doll became. Yeah. Very we'll talk different. about it like maybe briefly at some point. But basically uh, Amy Poehler went to her, called her up one day and said, hey, for the longest time that I've known you, you've always been like the oldest person in the room. And she's like, okay, cool. What? Thanks Thank you. That insult. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then she, Amy Paul was like, hey, like, I want to make a sitcom. We could do something around this. Uh, what do you think? So they obviously they made it. But the problem was those two, well, I mean, Amy can do sitcoms. Yeah. But the idea that they had just was not going to land on a sitcom I, even a little bit. So we've watched it. We've watched uh-huh. both of it. I watched the pilot last night um, for research for this. And it had moments of brilliance mm-hmm. and that mostly came from Natasha Leone's ability to read a room and her timing comedic timing is perfect yeah. but I think there was no hook for the show there's no hook what am I going to keep watching week to week mm-hmm. I had nothing there like it was she's essentially setting up old people to live in old people homes I didn't really quite grasp what she was yeah. doing and yeah there's a there's a character like obviously Maxine's in Russian Doll as well her uh-huh. best friend so they've definitely brought elements from 
the sitcom into Russian mm-hmm. Doll, but it's completely tweaked now into something different. And I think what happens, like it, it failed at NBC and then Amy's like, I don't want to let this go. If we could make something where mm. there was no parameters, there's no networks, there's no, like what we're not making do? it for someone else, what would we do? Yeah. And then that's how they got Russian Doll. Yeah, which I'm thankful for because this show, so good. Ah, uh, thank you. Yes. So, so good. I think, because I only watched season one and great season, don't get me wrong, fantastic. Uh-huh. But you don't get the full scope of what this show is until you watch season two and go, wow, Which okay. I think we'll get into like, we'll do season one and then we'll talk yeah. about season two. Um, but I remember this dropped in like February of yeah, 2019. 2019. And I was, I'd built it up in myself, like so excited for this that I got yeah. scared. To watch it. Like, and I oh. think I went and watched like Umbrella Academy first. Yeah. Because it was out. At the same time. Which I didn't even like. It was, But they were both out at the same time. Yeah. I mean, like, it's okay, but I wasn't it's all right. like. Yeah. And I, like, I, I couldn't. I couldn't quite get there because I was just so afraid that it was What wasn't. if it's not at the expectation Yeah, that well, you, I've built this yeah. up and what if what if I've yeah. sort of shot everyone in the foot? But then I went and watched <laughs> it and I haven't stopped talking about it since. It, yeah, look, even the first season, really fun premise. Uh, Nadia Volvikov. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it opens with her on her 36th. 36th birthday party, which is being held by Maxine, her best friend. And lo and behold... She uh, eventually works out that she dies. Yeah, she's looking for a missing cat, Oatmeal. Oatmeal, the cat. She goes looking for Oatmeal when she leaves the party and she ends up getting hit by a taxi. And then she wakes up in Maxine's apartment in the bathroom looking in that weird... The weird mirror. The mirror's not the weird bit. The the door is the weird bit. Yeah. Um, Which is an ex-Jewish school. (laughs) Yeah, it used to be a school for Jews way, way, way back when. Way back. Like a yeshiva school. Yeah. And she's shock and horror. She's like, why am I here? The first time she wakes, she comes back into the room like, and everything's replaying it. Very Groundhog Day. Let's just say that yeah, so everyone is. knows what it's, yeah. what's happening. Uh, she's, yeah, shock and horror. What's going on? And then lo and behold, she dies again by falling down the stairs, I think, the second time. I think it's, it's one of them. Look, the stairs are a few times. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the, obviously the course of season one is her trying to navigate the reason why she's dying, like why why she uh-huh. comes comes back into the room after she ends up dying, yeah. and it, it gets very deep, very philosophical, and then she meets Alan. Well, we're gonna spoil this. Let's just get into that. Yeah. Okay. Spoilers. If you haven't seen season one and or two, stop now. Stop now. Go stop watch now. it and come back. Yeah, because this is this is the part where we're gonna get into the rest of it. You can definitely pause the podcast and come back to this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're going to explain the entire show. Yeah. That, you've had the premise up until now, so you know what to start uh-huh. watching. Now we're going to go into but it. Yeah, basically she's she's dying a bunch. She thinks that like there's this this joint that Maxine gave her. She's yeah, like, oh, there's the something Israeli that's I'm hallucinating. Joint. Yeah. Um, you know, they hunt down War Dog, who's this, the, the drug dealer. They realise, hey, it's not the joint that's like no. laced. Something else is, is going on. So she keeps looking for keeps answers. Looking for answers. She you know, finds it in, she goes and finds it like with her ex, John, and she's yeah. like, what's going on? She just can't quite figure it out. Yeah. She just keeps dying. She's talking to Ruthie, her godmother, like what's going on? What's Ruthie going on plays the role so well. Uh-huh. And <laughs> then you get to episode four or any of episode three and she's in an elevator and, and, and it's falling. going down and she goes, hey man, what's, you didn't get the memo like we're gonna we're dying. Because he's not reacting to uh-uh. it falling. Everyone else is freaking and out. And he goes, yeah, I die every day. And yeah. then they yeah. die. And then they wake re- up again. Harry Nilsson's playing. But then we get to Alan's episode in episode four um, and we see his day. And they're sort of 
Shona's polar opposites. Yeah, they are. She's like this crazy, messy, chaotic. He's very meticulous. He's OCD. Like, oh, yeah. And, and I don't mean like in his apartment, the way it's set out is like when people think of OCD, that is him. Whether he's actually got OCD well, is yeah, whatever. Look, but it is be, like, even, meticulous. I think, um, when he uh, feeds the fish. Uh-huh, down to what he's feeding in. Exactly. Yeah, so everything's to the nth degree perfect. And you've just seen Nadia's life, which is a mess. Absolute, absolute chaos. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's his day and he's planning to propose to his girlfriend, Beatrice, mm-hmm. uh, only for her to break up with him. Every day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, and, you know, Beatrice admits to cheating on Alan with the Professor Mike, who is a the gingerbread man, as they call him, who Nadia went home with in episode one. Mm-hmm. So that's messy. Yeah. Um, you know, Nadia tracks down Alan and then he's also experiencing time loops. He accuses her of interfering with his routine and that's why he keeps dying. Yep. Suddenly, you know, these two people that were on this journey alone are suddenly forced together yeah. uh, and they're not exactly thrilled. No, because they, 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 like in the real world, they wouldn't, even if they cross paths, they wouldn't be people who become friends or anything, you know, like they're from two different like lives, like, like lifestyles completely, but they've kind of got to be in each other's lives because of what's happening. And episode one in the, the first loop, mm. she sees him in the bodega. Yeah, exactly. Dropping stuff. He's, he's he's having a rough night. Yeah, just doesn't. Even She's think like, about all right, it. I'm gonna get my condoms, gonna get my smokes, yeah, keep going. gonna get out of here and look for Emil. Yeah, like they're not people that are gonna look out for each other, and yeah. that's sort of the deeper thread of this. Yeah, and there's a lot that they're both not unpacking, and like oh, yeah. that's what this show does incredibly well. Before we keep like telling you plot, it's it's a time loop. Sort of Groundhog Day. Yeah, and same with Groundhog Day. Set like, in New York. Address. It's, things in your life uh-huh. that you're avoiding yeah, because that's the only way you can move forward. And it gets so deep, but not in a like, this is dark and hard to watch way. Cause there's no, so much gets, comedy in yeah. this as well. Like on the surface, like little quips. It's like one of the funniest things I've, I've seen. She's shockingly good. At shockingly good. Shockingly <laughs> crass. I mean, if we don't swear in this, we're doing a good job. Yeah. Like uh, someone did a compilation of the whole two seasons, two seasons and like she says F, F like, <laughs> 286 times in the two seasons that's counted like yeah. it's it's a lot yeah it's just her character like that's character. just her character is nadia she's like built it off like elliot gould longer by yeah. like joe pesci types like she wanted to create this character that like could have been like a 70s yeah gangster mob type but is she, a female she nailed it and that's kind of what they the, did this like genderless almost yeah this, character the, the very s- selfish s- brilliant at this point the cinematic references oh. throughout the both seasons, actually both seasons. You know what this show did to so me? It's so deep. Like, it, <laughs> it's wild. It, like, this is what I loved about it. When I first watched this first episode, like, first mm. season, I felt stupid. Yeah. Because there were so many references to, that yeah. I just didn't understand. Like, Jodorowsky's Dune, which is a documentary about a failed Dune film that never happened. Mm. Like Jahari Window, which is like a psychology thing. Well, I didn't even know about Columbo. Columbo. Like being um, the first episode done by Steven Spielberg. Uh-huh. I had no idea and no I looked that up and I was like, oh my God, crazy. Yeah, like, Alice doesn't live here anymore. I didn't even know about that. So film. many layers in this, these shows. There's stuff I still like, haven't seen that I've been meaning to watch. Like um, there's a reference in season one where it's like, oh, it's like the black hole meets they shoot horses, don't they? And that they shoot horses, don't they is a film I've not yet seen again, but it's like a dance competition that just doesn't end. Like it just keeps going for hours. So like there's just so much in it in terms of like psychology, film references, all this stuff that comes from her mind that's like 
insane that I didn't. She's a genius. I didn't know. And then yeah. I suddenly, like some I did know. And I was like, yay me. Like I yeah. understand what the, she's trying to do Star here. Star 80, but, deep cut. <laughs> yeah, it's just so deep, but it makes you want to go and find out. I love the Nick. Did things. you notice the Nick Cave reference in season two? Uh, my lungs like my two lungs shriveled like Nick Caves. My lungs like two shriveled Nick Caves. Yeah. So I was like, I know that one. Yeah. I know that reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just, oh man. Like, um, but the, the things well we're talking about the references is it, it, it creates a deeper meaning. Uh-huh. To the surface level mm-hmm. stuff, like because it's adding more layers. And but what to it the does characters and the story and also like yeah, I said I felt stupid, but that's because I'm someone that like needs to understand everything. <laughs> but if you don't and you don't care, you can watch this. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. And still go on the same journey. Still yeah. go on the ride. It's kind of incredible that you can make something that's so deep without being so like wanky and like yeah. makes the audience feel silly. Yeah, it's not pretentious. Uh-uh. It's not pretentious in any way. Shape or form. But yeah, the first season obviously comes full circle. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Alan and Nadia sort of realize that they're together on this. Yeah. They're trying to work out like what's going on. You know, yeah. if I burn my hand, do you get hurt? Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, just lighter. just things like like that. It gets, you know, yeah. gets messy, whatever. But sort of it comes to this like episode. And I want to talk about episode seven because this one yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, I get it. So Nadia's character is haunted by her mother. Mm hmm. Uh, it's a very mummy issues type show. Generational trauma. Well, yeah. We'll get to that. F- it, it, it gets it, deeper. It packs it in in season two. But basically, like, you know, her mum had health, like mental health issues, so she wasn't the most stable mother. Then she sort of had Ruth, who was like her godmother, yeah. like looked after or whatever. And episode seven goes really deep into her childhood mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like m- flashes back a lot to Chloe Seveny, who's her best friend, plays her mum in mm-hmm. it. And it gets into this, like, thing of like inner child work and she keeps sort of there's like the memories of it but then she keeps seeing her child self pop up and that suddenly yeah. starts killing her because she's not addressed any anything that's yeah gone on <laughs> yeah. to the point like and it's just so deep like she just she sees like this little like 10 it's 10 year old 10 year old girl, girl yeah. just keep popping up yep. and then there's a moment in it when she's not like flashing back and she's talking to Ruth mm. and Ruth, like, do you remember that one? They're sitting across from the table. Yeah. Vaguely. And like Ruth season one, I've seen sort of goes through and sort of is like, there used to be this little, like this little girl that was so like happy to sort of, I'm misquoting it. Cause it's I'm fine. You get, get the gist of to, it, yeah. you know, participate in, in, in life. Like what happened to that little girl? Mm. And you just, it cuts to like Natasha Leone and there's like, yeah, tears in her eyes. she doesn't want to like look at it. She doesn't want to look at herself no. as that, kid but she just knows like something's happened where i've just stopped participating in life and that's kind of the that's theme the point of season one of season one yeah. they're both sort of dropped out of life out they're of not living. life which yeah. then brings you to episode eight ariadne which rounds out the whole season mm-hmm. and they've found themselves in the opposite timelines they're back but they're back wrong which yeah. brings us to alan's story mm-hmm. and they realize this in is this Eight? Yeah, eight. eight. Yeah, eight. Six, sorry. They realize this in six where Alan killed himself yeah, in the first loop. Yeah, he jumps off the building. Yeah. Yeah, in the first loop. Yep. And they're he, suddenly like, holy, like this is heavy. So that's what she's got to save him. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then this, yeah, the last episode. It kind of merges back. They, they, they're they in the wrong timelines and they have to work out what they have to do. So he has to save Nadia yeah. um, from, you know, just self-destructing basically. Yeah. That's and her issue, yeah. Yeah, and she's, she's got to save, save him, him on, the roof. on the roof. And there's this moment that scene when so she good. thinks he's 
jumped and it's so heavy. Yeah. And she runs up there and and then he turns up and she's like, thank God kind of thing. And then she's like, please don't jump. And he goes, if I don't, will you promise me I'll be happy? Mm. And she goes like, no, no, man, I can't promise you'll be happy. Like life is suffering. Yeah. But I promise you won't be alone. And then these two characters that were so separate finally formed this like connection, this connection, which is what we're all kind of looking for in life. Yeah. And eventually, that it causes the merge. Is that when they're going through the the timelines link? Yeah. And that what I find like again with how deep this all goes. This is called Ariadne, which is the name of the girl that went in the labyrinth in the Greek mythology. Yeah. And it was her string that got them out of the labyrinth. So they get out of the labyrinth of this time loop nightmare Mm -hmm. and then there's a parade, which in the myth there's also a parade, but also what this is referencing Mm. is um, a film by Fellini. Oh, you have um, mentioned Fellini, yeah. Knights of Kiberia. And basically the story of her is like, you know, she's on the street, whatever, she falls in love. She's like, yeah, I'm in love. He steals her whole fortune and her whole livelihood. And she's like in this deep deep moment where you're just like my whole life's gone Mm. but she finds herself in this parade of people that are celebrating and suddenly she's like you know like life's you see it on her face like life's tough but but there's more to it there's more to it we can find joy in other people and if you've seen that shot it's almost kind of yeah i'll look it up because i remember i remember the parade scene very well yeah and no one really understood it yeah, you explained it to me when I was watching it, so I didn't have to like uh-huh. go looking for it. You kind of explained. It. I was like, oh, okay, that makes perfect. There's a lot sense. of Greek yeah. myth references Throughout. deep in this, even just with like uh, shot by shot. Yeah, but anyway, that's season one. Um, which you think, well, oh, that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. But you haven't got to season two yet. Season two comes around, baby, <laughs> which people didn't always Christ. love, and I just think it's just different because they're expecting probably another time uh-huh. loop season, and it's not. And it's they kind of did this because it's. Russian doll, which Amy Poehler actually came up with, but it's this idea of like, okay, well, the first one is the first doll and then you go deeper and what happens when you go deeper? And the question philosophically for season two is like- stop dying, uh what does it mean to live? What does it mean to live? Which, oh boy, isn't that a fun (laughs) one to reckon with? Oh, they definitely unpacked a lot in this season. Uh Uh, Very, very well done. So this one is set three, four years later. Four years later, because it's on the eve or a couple of days before her 40th birthday- and it kind of opens with her going to the hospital and Ruth's had a fender bender. Yeah. She's sort of become Ruth's caregiver at this point because yeah, Ruth's getting old. Ruth's deteriorating in the past like three years between seasons one and two. She's, she's starting to forget things. Kind of a, a ditzy. Brutal to watch because she was a force in season one. Yeah. She's definitely a strong-willed character. Uh-huh. Um, and she was definitely like Nadia's rock in season one. You know, like oh, that, absolutely. That, that like old soul you go to to talk to uh-huh. for She'd advice. always be stuff. there like, yeah, Ruthie, exactly. what's going on here? What's going on there? Yeah. What happened with my mom? Like yeah. just, yeah, the so, only stable one in her life. When season forever. two rolls around and, yeah, that kind of strong rock character is kind of not really there anymore or what it used to be. It kind of definitely unravels Nadia a little bit, uh-huh. especially coming up to her 40th birthday as well. But she still spends time with Alan every year. She goes and sees Alan on a their birthday, birthdays. Just in case. Yeah. It's quite sweet that they've sort of formed they've this. They've still got this, um, this really strong bond in between seasons. Yeah. So she's planning to celebrate it quietly. She gets on the six train to go home. Mm-hmm. And like, hang on a second. Hang on a minute. What is this? An 80s flash mob and she's in 88, 18, well, hang on. 1980, she's in 1982. 1982. Uh, and yeah. she's like, what's going on? It's the same New York she knows, but it's it's different. It's different. Someone's she's trying to- a nuclear 
bomb Figured notifications yeah. and she's like, what the hell? She goes to this this like pub. Dive bar. Dive yeah. bar. Uh, yeah, sorry, not Australian. Dive bar. Yeah. Um, goes home with this guy that's like, hey, we're going. And she's like, all right. Because she's in for a fun time. Uh, Cesare Carrera. Yeah. And um, <laughs> there's was, a shot so in well. this, which is like insane. Like I did my research before this came out. Like, because yeah. there was articles where it's like, oh, I took reference from these films. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, I need, need to, must watch them. Um, and there's a thing. Do you remember the shot? It's kind of beautiful. Uh, she's she and he are making out against a, a they call it like trash trash can. Nah, like trash the bigger bin. ones. A skip, a skip, a skip. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rubbish is falling and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. That scene. is a direct shot by shot from Sid and Nancy, which is a film. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. just so there's like a lot of there's a lot of allusions to references, yeah. and the cinematography Cinema. in this is like like if yeah. I can make a film that's uh, or anything that's close to what Russian Doll has been, like I I could die fulfilled. Like, Yeah, there's something about uh, when she goes back in time. Uh-huh. There's something about- it pulls back with the big yeah. dolly, crane shots. Just even the grain on the, the film. Grain. The grain on the film is perfectly done because you have that feel of like, yeah, this is, this is 70s, the feel 80s of the 70s and 80s. Like yeah. a, the, the grit to it. I don't know what it is, but it has it's that feel. like magic almost. she- is back in the present in 2022. It's it's got glossy. that 4K 4K gloss to it. Uh-huh. It's very different, but it's not obvious. It's no. still it's just enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so. Anywho, she's gone back. She's gonna sleep with this stranger because she's not here, and that's kind of what yeah, she, fun, she yeah. does. Yeah, whatever. Why not? Let's see where it goes. And then she's like, "Hang on, hang on. Got to got to pee real bad before we do this. Quick, let me oh. just." Let me just get up. Yeah. And uh, she's you know she's going. I'm peeing a lot. Why is that? She's zip, <laughs> zipping up a fly. Yeah. And then she looks in the mirror and it's one of the most, like, I am so obsessed with this sequence. Yeah. And she's just got this look of horror on her face and it cuts to you being her looking in the mirror and suddenly she's She's, Chloe Seveny, her mum, in the mirror and it's just- the same action. The same action, like wax on, wax off. It's haunting. She's playing her mum. And then she goes, hang on, I'm going to look in this side mirror. Hold on, I'm pregnant. Hold on, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm my mother pregnant with me. What is going on? Because yeah. I know time travel, I've died a bunch. That I cool. That with. I can understand to a degree. But what I'm my mother? Like yeah. and if from someone who who was not ready to face her mom in season one. To be her mother. Now she yeah. is her mother, pregnant with her. Like Here what comes a mind. The generational trauma mm. season. Oh yeah, we go deep. <laughs> yeah, we're back, baby. And um yeah, basically she freaks out. Yeah. I think she goes back immediately to the present. Yeah. So she gets back on the train. She realizes the train's kind mm-hmm. of like the portal, quote yeah. unquote, to the past. So she goes back. She freaks out. I think she sees Ruth and Alan again after that. Can't remember exact yeah. timeline of whatnot. Um, but then she realizes, because there's this whole subplot about the cougar ends. Yeah, which is the gold, the gold necklace. Coin. Basically, it's, it plays a big part. She wears it all the time. Her mum gave it to her as a yeah, kid. Yeah, she's got one on as a necklace. Because uh, there was a lot more. Her mum spent them all, which was supposed to be a college fund. Yeah. Which plays like a, a big part in season one. But yeah, basically, if the Cougarons hadn't gone missing, she would have had a good an easier life. Yeah. Um, so the whole plot, basically for the first at least couple of episodes of season two is her- Trying to- s- Get trying to fix the timeline so the Cougarans don't get stolen. Yeah, and she sort of like because she's confronted with her grandmother Vera, um, yep. who they were Hungarian Jews, so there's all that trauma as well. As well yeah. And they've come to America for like you know a better life to escape. Anyway, she wants to track down this guy Chez, who she was sleeping with the night before, because he's got the Cougarans. She thinks, and so she tracks him down mm-hmm. in twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, 
And so he's funny, this guy's a, an old man. He's, he's still, still a, a creep. He's still a creepo. Uh, she gives him a hard time for it. And basically he goes, it's a Coney Island, which I think this bit is beautiful. Yeah. And he sets it up and she's like, oh, Coney Island, what are you talking about? And he's like, in my family, we used to call it Coney Island. My dad went to got Coney polio. Island, got polio. And then our whole lives would change because he was in an iron lung. But you can't keep living for these Coney Islands. Yeah, if what you didn't go been, to Coney Island, he wouldn't have got polio. You know, therefore, life would have been better. But like, that's not it's a Coney Island. how life works. And she's like, yeah, whatever, man. You stole my mother's cougar ends. Yeah. F you, whatever, whatever. Goes back to the past, realizes uh, he's a squash player. She sort of gets them for a second and then... She leaves a voicemail as well on a on the like old uh, like uh, public telephones which yeah. we don't have anymore. We have, but you know, no one uses them. And um, she pleads with her mom like, "Hey, I've got these Krugerrands back. Please don't waste it. Please, I know like I'm your daughter from the future, whatever. Yeah. Like, f you for ruining my childhood. Don't waste this one." Yeah. She gets on the the six train. She sees Alan on another one. She's like, "Hang on, That's Alan." That's right. It passes. Huh? Yeah. And then she looks back, and her Krugerrands are gone. Yep. And that that is like if. The first episode was a catalyst her being a mother. Like, this is this is yeah. a catalyst. Like, what do I do now? Now. So then she – I think she realizes she has to go back further. Well, no, she confronts her mum first in the mental. Uh-huh. So then she loses the coins. They go to the hospital with the, the baby. Yeah. Uh, Vera, her grandma, tells her about the gold train, which is like all oh, this gold's gone missing. Yeah. Um, they used to take basically all the stuff and put it on a train and send it to – you know, Germans had it. Yeah. Um, so she takes documents from her, like grandma's apartment. She's then in her mum's apartment and she starts hallucinating like earwigs crawling out of her arm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, as well as it's happening to Nora She's speaking as well. to her mum separately. They from split being, suddenly, yeah, yeah. which is like this cool thing of like suddenly she is a child again. You can hear it in the way she talks to her mum mm-hmm. and she's crawling around the floor and stuff and suddenly it's like, oh, like me and mum are cool for a minute. Mm. This is what it might have been. Like. Way, way, way back before I got old enough to realise that yeah. something's wrong with mum. Anyway, she gets a call from a librarian. There's a whole scene. It's hilarious. She realizes where they are. Funniest scene. Um, <laughs> and so she sort of tries to go back and get these these Krugerrands. But before she can do that, the police arrive and they're taking her to a mental institution. Yeah. Suddenly, she realizes what it was like to be her For mom. Her mom, yeah. But like, also before we even get like, it's so there's so much in this. It's she meets so deep. young Ruthie, oh, who's Annie played Murphy. by Annie Murphy. Yeah. And Oh my god, is it brilliant? Yeah, like she plays it so well. Oh my god, maybe Annie Murphy's fantastic. One of my favorite Annie Murphy performances, maybe just because it's just she's so good at this like yeah. New Yorker type, yeah. smoking whatever. Ruthie's cool. Yeah, Ruthie's cool. And but she does so much for him. Like she gives yeah. up her engagement ring, ring to get the Krugerrands back because her she's a widower and she's like, you know what? Who needs it? Yeah, more me. Yeah, Promise from a dead gone. man. Yeah, or you. And you just see Nadia as her mother. Realize. Realizing just how much Ruth has done mm-hmm. for her. Yep. Um, but also like she's reckoning with the fact that like she's understanding her mom in a way that she never looked at before. It's a lot to unpack. And try and have <laughs> sympathy for Yeah, like it's a lot to unpack. Holy um, I don't know how much time we got to keep going. No, into keep it. going, we got time. Um, we got all right, time. cool, 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 cool. Yeah. We'll we'll finish uh, up at least the plots and we'll talk about some of the themes. Yeah, so then where are we at? Where are we at? I think we're about to go back into Alan. Yeah, Alan. We meet Alan again. Yeah. Uh, episode because he, he obviously has his own subplot as well. Same as season one, uh-huh. he's got his own things happening. And so she sort of meets up with him. She's like, "Hey, Alan, what's been happening?" And he's like, "KG," mother? and she's like, "What's going on?" And then he's like, 
oh, maybe I like it. Maybe I met someone. Yeah, that's right. Um, and she uses this hilarious line where she's like, oh, like a Marlene Dietrich or like an Angela Merkel type, which I'm like, <laughs> hilarious. Fantastic. And then he's like, nah, it's a he. And it's like, oh, Paul, Paul Schneider, I think. Paul Schneider type. Is the one. Um, but anyway. Star 80. Deep cut. That's later, know. but <laughs> whatever. Basically, he's been going back to East Berlin in 62, so mm. not the 80s, yeah. um, where he attends graduate school in his Ghanaian grandmother's body and dates this man named Lenny. So he's got his own thing. Yeah. And Nadia's also, you know, she takes Maxine to Budapest. Um, that is one of my To find her grandma's scenes. home and find some info. And oh Christoph. my God. Christoph. So funny. Yeah. Because they go to this like weird underground Budapest party. Rave party. Rave like party? Maxine's just like the whole thing with her. She's chaos anyway. They're just, they're so different, her and Nadia, but they're both chaotic in their own rights that they don't quite understand but they're they appreciate so different wavelengths but they're best friends but it's just <laughs> it's so funny like just when she's like i want to sleep with a hungarian but yeah. like first myself like they're yeah, just yeah. they're like night and day but but yeah same thing it at works. the same time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's so, so funny so good so yeah she gets more information from the party she wakes up in a cemetery with maxine to find, uh-huh. and they see the priest's um, grave yeah basically they, they took the a lot rocks. of acid and they didn't know how they ended up there <laughs> yeah you see the rocks on top of the grave, which means that he was an upstanding uh-huh. priest. Like everyone obviously adored him. So then when she goes back further in time. To find Kiss Laszlo. To play, because she's not playing her mother in further back in time. She's, well, not playing. She's in the body of her, her grandmother to try and get the Cougarans originally. Mm-hmm. She um, she sets everything up to get them. And then she gives the, was the information to that particular priest. Uh-huh, because basically. he's a stand-up guy. She knows she can trust him. And... Yeah, like so that's a map. She draws a map to yeah, find yeah, the yeah. Krugerrands that in she then time. put in yeah. that her grandma's gonna go and dig up later. It's it's a lot so, of yeah. And then so the grandma gets the Krugerrands from the map that she left for herself, which is her grandmother, uh, in the future. And then no, it's just it's just the gold. It's gold at this point, right? And then they go and uh-huh. um, get it transferred into Krugerrands, and that's when she comes to the realization, the absolutely shocking realization that. Everything she tries to do, nothing changes. Uh-huh. It's these Krugerrands are it's a Coney Island. There's no it's point. It's a Coney Island, but being it's shockingly like heartbreaking that scene as well because you can see it. She is realizing in that moment uh-huh. that whatever she tries to do, she can't change the past. But Nadia, being Nadia, is not happy with that. <laughs> no. So uh, she's on a train, and you know she's a mom, and uh, they're all there. And guess what happens? She's giving birth to herself. Holy. Yeah, that's a scene. Where I give, you know, give birth to myself, whatever. So yeah. she does. Um, and eventually there's a lot going on, but she comes to the realization that like, hold on, if my mom wasn't good enough to be my mom, I can reparent myself and fix all those yeah. issues. She's just basically, she's lost her mind. So she kidnaps her. Yeah, she's unraveling baby in this particular moment in uh, time. Which is not good for anyone. No, so because she obviously takes herself from the timeline of 1982, she gets back on the train and gets back to 2022 with herself as a baby, it kind of breaks the time. Uh-huh. It fractures time, basically. And she so, gets a call too, basically after she birthed herself with uh, Maxine being like, you got to get here. That's right. Uh, yeah. Ruthie's got a pulmonary and Something something's going on yeah. and uh, it doesn't look good. You got to so get she, back in Nemo. Yeah, so she comes back with the baby, goes to the hospital, uh-huh. meets up with them. And then that's when time starts to break down really. Uh-huh. And um, I think it's more of a version of her mental state I than think, anything else. And, but it also reflects back in season one when they're like, hang on, there's multiple timelines. Does that mean uh, Ruth is grieving me multiple times? She starts seeing yeah. 
a bunch of Ruths from different times. She's like, what's going on? Ruth's in the hospital like a yeah, bunch. And then suddenly, hang times. on, my dead body is also here. Yeah, because she goes down the morgue and like seven versions of her dead Time from season one. It's just, it's broke. It's broke. completely broke. And basically it's because she brought herself back to the mm-hmm. timeline. Um, and then it gets into, like, she meets up with Alan. She realizes Alan's like, we need to fix this. She's like, no, nah, it's cool. She's denying it for ages. And just and some of the quotes are so funny. Yeah. Like, the, she's got herself on the platform mm. and her neck sore. Do you remember that quote? Where she's like, oh, my effing neck. This is why people get abortions. Like, it's <laughs> like, yeah. just, just herself. Just herself. Yeah. Yeah. Alan kind of convinces her, no, you need to take the baby back. They get on the train and then. That's when she has the realization of Ruth's passing because they meet up with Maxine and and I forget the other and character. Lizzie Lizzie and the, her best friends yeah. and basically they're going to they're going to Ruth's wake Ruth's wake and she's like no it's just nearly my birthday it's fine it's a month it's like, later it's a month later and that's like just those sequences are like some of the hardest especially mm, so because you've been on this journey for like yeah a couple of episodes now and uh-huh. season and a half now yeah. Yeah, you've really developed a deep connection to the character and obviously how deep this show runs. Uh-huh. Yeah, it really hits when this particular stuff happens, like that scene. Um, the scene where there's the dream sequence where they fall into the pool uh-huh. as well. I thought it was really um, and really powerful. It then reiterates, I mean, he Alan meets up with his, his yeah, grandma his and has a chat and she's like, we're always the same. Like, don't let other people's like, you know, perceptions of you ruin who you are kind yeah. of thing. And and Nadia's got her baby self and the Krugerrands. Cr- but then she chooses. And it's kind of like this thing of like in season one, she gives the Krugerrand necklace to horse and she goes, it's too heavy, you take it. Mm. And this one, she's got the baby in one hand, she's got the, the Krugerrands in another and she has to let go of the Krugerrands because again, they're too heavy. Like she mm. can't, she can't lift. do both. Yeah. And then she gets back on... They yeah, meet she, up, she gets back on the train, but there's that gorgeous sequence she's sitting across where she from. keeps seeing like both, like she's with her mom. She sees both Ruthie's, and both Vera's, yeah. and then one of her child self. Reading in the corner. Reading yeah. in the corner. Um, and they don't see her, but she's seeing them and they, they go they go past. Mm. And um, her mom asks her a question. She goes, hey, if you could do this all again, would you choose me? And she goes, that's not the way it goes, is it? Huh, mom? Like she's kind of, at peace now with her mom. Yeah. But then as as Ruthie walks past, she sort of goes, Hey, hey, like, hey, I wanna I wanna talk to you and and she's like and this one like hit home. But it mm. was just like, you know, you didn't have to like love me, yeah, but, you but you did anyway. Chose to do it anyway. Like you were under no obligation. Yeah. But like me and mom couldn't really choose me, but you, but chose, you, you chose me. And me. Ruth doesn't quite get that, but it's heavy because you know that like she's missed Ruth in the first one. Like while she's been chasing her mm. past self so many times, she's missed Ruth. She's missed living yeah. in the present, mm-hmm. and like and that's what this whole that's what this about. whole thing this is living about. Living is like yeah, you've got to reconcile with the past, and you got to do that quick. Yeah, because while you're too busy trying to unpack that and fix that, you're missing what's present. You're missing, and she misses Ruth's wake because well, of she it. misses a death. She misses the she death. She goes to the wake, yes. She goes to the wake. Yeah. Alan's, she meets up with Alan. Yeah. Everyone's there for her. It's Full so circle because it's in Maxine's apartment Maxine's from apartment season one. From season one and she goes and looks in the mirror. And it's it's a lot of emotions across her face, uh-huh. right? Because this is the final scene of season two is when she's back at the, she's at the wake at the apartment 
she comforts Alan, like she gives him a hug, and then she walks into the the bathroom. And it's the same scene. She's looking at the mirror, mm-hmm. but instead of like confusion, visible confusion, it's like a range of she's emotions sort of that she goes. Yeah, she's with like a lot. A, which kind of lands on acceptance. Yeah. And there's a lot of other emotions there as well, but yeah, this it kind of comes full circle. The show whole story, is funny and stupid and like gorgeous on the surface, is so but it's so deep, deep. so deep. underneath and but like not. And you're like, oh, this is your comfort show to me. You're always like, oh, you're watching your comfort show again. And I'm like, it's not a comfort. It's show. It's a comfort show because I don't mean comfort as in like, mm, sit down with some popcorn. Yeah. I'm having a good time, but like, it's home for you for a different reason. It's a weird thing where it's like you reckon with really deep. Yeah. Stuff, but yeah. also like it's life affirming because like, hey, the world's weird. We're all a bit whatever. Well, it's we're all about our stuff, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, it's also it's just life. A brilliant show. It's shot beautifully. It's acted superbly. It's quality TV. Yeah. That's why it's also really good to watch. It's just every time you're getting something else, you can watch it a couple of times and you can kind of, of go, oh, I've unpacked more uh-huh. this time because I, you know, I've know the stuff I knew before, but also I'm adding more in because I'm listening more. Do you, um to not get so deep into this, because we already are, but like, what are some bits of it that you were like, this scene for me, I loved it. Like whether it was like funny or deep, like what were the bits? Because uh, well, there's some- Season two for me, mm-hmm. I think with the squash court in particular, uh-huh. when she's talking to the two guys and they're talking about like how babies work uh-huh. in particular and the short the shorts. short shorts. What would you know? Yeah, exactly. Little, it's, little- yeah. It's very, for, yeah. very funny scene. Um, yeah, the aesthetics of the 80s is fantastic, but, like, I can't really narrow down, like, too much. She says so many funny things, but they're so quick yeah, that you're so on to the quick. next thing. Um, I love her character. I just love how she's written. Um, she's damaged. She's uh-huh. deeply, deeply flawed, but she's so good to watch. They're both trying their best. Yeah, you know, Her exactly. and Alan are, like, yeah. we're trying to be the good guys. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just a really good show. That bit you keep you mentioned the bit in the library. So basically, oh, she's yeah, in the, the library, library in the, the library 80s. scene, which is about half a through season two. And um, she's looking for answers. She's looking for answers where the gold train was that kind of thing because yep. there's no internet. What the hell do we do? We go it's to a library. 80s, yeah. And um, she's waiting to to get seen to by like the mm. librarian. Um, yeah, that's right. And <laughs> she <laughs> I loves it. He was telling me about this earlier. Uh, the guy. And, there's, there's a lineup because it's closing. And there's a guy in front of her talking to the librarian and he's like in the most monotone voice, he's like, I want to know where the ducks go during winter. When the pond freezes. When the pond freezes in Central Park. And then the the, <laughs> the, uh, the librarian's just writing this down, ducks, pond, Central Park. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll get and back then, to you. Like Nadia's like, I need. She's freaking out. Also, because like, like this is like, they're like, you look a bit weird. You might want to get out of here. The cops are doing a round, basically. Yeah. Like anyone that looked like they were sleeping there, they stuff. had issues. They would send them to institutions yeah. back then. Um, and obviously Nadia, mm, crazy, yeah, <laughs> um, eccentric as she likes to say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she's like, "All right, duck, duck, goose step, my turn." And she walks up like <laughs> doing like yeah. the what is it the you know I'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the same and yeah. um yeah she's like all right I need to know like what happened to like the gold, the gold train. train and they're like, yeah. yeah, this is not information that we keep here, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, here's my name and number. Here's yeah. my name and number that I have. Yeah. That um, I have. Yeah. I'm going to go back home and look on like the worldwide web. And then, um, 
it's like a, a couple of scenes later and she obviously gets the call from the library uh-huh. and the the librarian explains like gold train and what she knows. And then, but like Nadia's got like all these questions that filter from that. And she's like asking the librarian all these things. What's this mean? What's that mean? And the librarian's like, the New York library doesn't have answers for those, <laughs> that particular information. And then just hangs up on her. It's just. It's so well done. Like the, com- the comedy in this is still spot on as well. Like don't think just because we're saying how deep it is, you're just going to be like, oh, it's not for me. Like, you will definitely get something out of this show regardless. Like, yeah. she's got charm just to watch on screen I as well. I die laughing so many times. Yeah. It's just Soundtrack's it's fantastic. Funny. Soundtrack is insane in You've got the first two. season's record, don't you? I got season one and two. You got two uh, as well? It's not the soundtrack as in, like, the soundtrack. It's the score. Oh, you've got the score. Which is okay. even nerdier. Uh, I, I also, have the score for Stranger Things, so I get it. I also bought um, – I found it randomly at our, like where we used to work um, – Harry Nilsson's mm-hmm. record that has that got to get up, and yeah. I literally bought it just for that. It's one of my records that's worth the most. I like that Strangely, song, Even though you hear it nearly every episode. Uh-huh, yeah. in the season one, yeah, yeah. But just season two and just the use of music in it is yeah, so very good. Effective. And when they use um, Pink Floyd for this one – that hits mm-hmm. like emotionally. Is that during the train scene? They end the out oh, on yeah. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Oofed. Ooh. Yeah. Shine on you, crazy diamond. Shine on you, crazy diamond. It's that's a phenomenal song. Phenomenal song. Yeah, it's just so everyone in this is hilarious. It's worth checking and out. And I I if I, we keep talking about it, we're gonna ruin it. it enough. Well, if you've gotten to this point, you basically know the show. Like you, there's no surprises. No, you've, sorry. You've, we've kind of given the spoilers, but. but the funny bits we didn't get to mention. It's worth watching regardless. Like so it's funny. a journey worth going on yourself yeah. with these characters. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for suggesting this. So I actually got a reason to get myself to watch. I feel like I two. nearly didn't even talk about half the stuff I know about this. Just there's because so much it could like take... in terms of the making of that you probably could yeah. mention, but we're definitely like, getting close to. Probably a long time. we don't want to be longer than Ben's episode on documentaries. So I could keep talking. We could um, we could go for two hours, but a lot look, of people listen, like it was a marathon to do the documentaries. Write in, tell me about it, call me. I'll talk to you about it for hours on it. Absolutely. There's more we can talk about on Russian Doll, but we gave you a basic plot, uh-huh. the kind of like references, some thematics, everything else that we could probably mention One of as we went. The greatest pieces of television I think I've ever seen. It yeah, it's a filmmaker's show without feeling heavy. Yeah, it's exactly what it is, and actually. You're right. Like, yeah. yeah, if this is up your alley, like, it should be Yeah, thing. Like, even, I'm it's a big fan. It's easy to watch, too. Like, but if you put anyone else in it, yeah, they probably wouldn't play Nadia in the same way, but I would watch the show just for the quality. Yeah, it's very well made. Yeah. It's top-tier quality, and I'm glad it it definitely trans transpired from that sitcom show uh-huh. into what it is now. That's it's just, very different. Yeah, but, like, crazy. And I think, as we've joked, like, sometimes you're more on an Allen. Uh, but also you you got a bit more mess than Alan. He's very... Oh, I am like, messy. Like this with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm Alan in some regards. Yeah. And others, maybe Nadia. I don't know. Yeah. I just, <laughs> it's just genius and like love it more than most things. Yeah. Just so and good. That's about it for now. There's well, more, but well... We should do another episode like on filmmakers. We should. And get like yeah. really into the less plot, more... Yeah, I'm um, how to absolutely. This one was definitely just like explaining what it is because I know a lot of people that I know don't even know what it is. Like a few people I was talking to, like particularly one person was like, I think it was Jackie I was talking to, uh. thought it was similar to Red Sparrow, which is that spy movie starring Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. and I quickly said no, 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 go watch this. Not close, but please um, watch it. 
Yeah, I don't know if more of my personalities like it's chicken or egg with this. Yeah, just- <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Which came first? I'm like, I don't know anymore. Yeah. Who it's- was I before I watched this show? Not sure. Not, not sure. Not nearly as well educated. I'll tell you that much. I'm, I'm glad the show exists for me to find out more deeper references. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I look. I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I've obviously gone down a pretty good rabbit hole with films lately. Yes, I know the apartment's still over there, and that's a reference in Old Soul. I need to watch I'll it. I give you Harold and Maud. I, yeah. I can give you Fellini's films. Um, All of them. We're gonna watch Alice and Live Here anymore. I want to watch that this week because obviously we're gonna watch King of Comedy. Now you told me I found King it. King of Comedy is on stand. Uh-huh. We're gonna watch that. Is Scorsese, Robert De Niro, which isn't referenced in Russian Doll, but is no, one but of Natasha's. Yeah, like favorites. gotta watch films. Yeah. So. So yeah, this this show made me like look at like just deeper films that I ha- I wouldn't have gotten to because it's just like you know surface level, and I'm slowly getting myself down further into that like the deeper kind of filmmaking you know stuff i haven't watched i haven't bought all that jazz but i think it's on streaming if not i'll buy you one and we can just watch it we'll just watch it sure sounds good all right i think we should wrap up please sorry stop me and as always thank you so much for listening to me ramble about something that has been a long 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 time coming uh as always thanks uh if you're enjoying it please give it a follow and if you'd like to get in touch you can find us on twitter instagram and threads at binge list or email us at binge list and box office hits at gmail.com. Uh, if you don't want to hear more about this, write in. I'll do my best. Probably won't happen. And uh, thank you for enabling me. Yes, I think it was a thank long you. time coming and we've got it out of your system to a degree. Yeah. For now. Yeah. <laughs> Until next week. Okay, bye. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> bye. Bye.